Welcome to our casting of Get Assigned. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Dan Connor, your command senior enlisted leader, Oregon. This podcast is an effort to provide our Oregon National Guard service members, past and present, along with all citizens of the state, a sign from me and the Adjutant General's office before you step into the metaphoric batter's box. I plan to discuss with you pressing issues that are upon our enlisted service, as well as sharing interviews with some of our great citizen soldiers and airmen to gain insight and share best practices. So turn up your listening device and join me for what I hope is an educational and valuable few minutes. So today I am joined by four of our 41st Infantry Brigade combat team members from the 2162HHC that just returned from deployment. Uh, they are part of our second largest mobilization of the Oregon National Guard since World War II. And um, I'm going to ask these folks to give us kind of their perspective on uh, their return uh, from this, this deployment, uh, especially, most specifically, in a COVID environment. So I have with me today Specialist Michael, Michael Collard, Sergeant Devin Solerno. I have uh, First Lieutenant Austin Parr, Sergeant Stephen Gasper, and the Delta Company uh, Family Readiness Group leader, Tiffany Becker. So welcome, thank you all for being here. So uh, what I wanna talk about is, um, like I said, your return, most specifically in the COVID environment, but not only that, but uh, the resiliency that is required to reintegrate with your families. Now I know you all come from different backgrounds and you all have different family lives, but uh, and back here at home, but what I'm interested in is, what is it that you noticed that was significantly different than maybe um, some of your other deployments, or what were some of the difficulties in coming back and reintegrating with your family? Let me start with you, Specialist uh, um, Michael Collard. Roger, Chief. Uh, for me, it was, uh, it, it was different in that what we had expected to come back to, kind of the, the, the pomp and circumstance of you know, a unit returning from a deployment, was uh, it felt very rushed. It, there was a lot of time just making sure that we were not sick uh, and making sure that while we were in Fort Bliss in quarantine that we had everything set up so that once we were released from quarantine we could power through the couple of days that we were spending on main post there at Fort Bliss and so that we could get home to our families and I, I don't know about anybody else but coming home for me was a bit of a concern I was moving uh, back in with my parents and I have two fairly high risk parents so my concern was just making sure that you know we were that i was safe that i wasn't sick and wasn't going to transmit anything to them so it was uh kind of surprising coming back and all of a sudden uh dealing with you know hand sanitizer everywhere having to wash your hands all the time uh dealing with constant mask use and that really drove home the fact that okay this is a real serious thing that we're gonna have to contend with and i think it made me take a little bit more serious for my family so that I didn't take unnecessary risks. Were you briefed up on, uh, before you returned, were you briefed up on what the status or what it was going to be like when you got home and how accurate was that? Uh, we got a, a little bit of an update as far as the fact that a lot of businesses were requiring at that point in time in Oregon, uh, the use of face masks, social distancing, uh, there were gathering sizes that were extremely small, like you couldn't go over that. But when we got back, 
uh, I think it was within the first week or two, maybe it was the first week or two, there was some serious restrictions put down as far as now when you were in public in public areas, you had to wear a mask. It was no longer an option. There was uh, a lot more of that information that came out from, I think, our families. And I think that for me, at least, that was the best asset that I had for understanding what we were going to be dealing with was the information that was coming from them and from friends and anybody else that I had contact with that was still back here. Yeah. Did you start, uh, when you came back, did you go right back to work? Did you have a uh, civilian job? No, I did not. Uh, when I got back, my priority was decompressing, uh, trying to find a way to put the previous nine, 10, almost 11 months worth of uh, experiences kind of in a, in a box, if you will, and kind of put it behind me. Uh, t- take what I could from it, learn the lessons that I needed to learn, and then move forward because it's a it's a big transition going from being on a deployment, being a soldier, to all of a sudden being back thrown into the civilian populace. It, it almost reminded me of when I came off active duty. It was very similar to that. It was kind of a shock, and especially with COVID and the stuff that we had to deal with back here, uh, it, it made things a, it was a very different dynamic than what any of us, I think, expected. We talked a little bit before the uh, microphones went on, and we talked about the maturity level that you feel that you gained in coming back to some of your peers. Um, tell me about that. So it, it's, I think everybody that's in the military kind of understands that when they look at people who aren't in the military, there's you, you immediately recognize a couple different things about them, and you can tell the difference between somebody who's served and somebody who hasn't, and that, that big factor is the maturity, like you were saying, Chief. Uh, I've noticed it even more so after coming back in that – even some of my friends that are equal to an age or even older than me aren't as mature as I thought they were. Uh, and they're not really able to, uh, you, you just notice those differences uh, ment- mentally. Uh, and dealing with people that I don't know, it's been, it's been a bit of a learning experience because those 18 and 19 year olds that are out there that um, think that they have the, the world figured out and you know that they don't, they don't realize that, that can be frustrating sometimes because you might remember being in that spot when, when you're at their age. And that's a, that's a bit of a learning curve to be able to process that and understand. I think the, the biggest part and you know, something else that was mentioned before the, the microphone came on, you, know, you might've just come back from a deployment, but you're just another person when you're in the civilian populace. You know, there's not a lot of people that really care about the uniform that you wear. And you need to be able to temper your opinions and how you approach people with the fact that you are just a person, just like they are. And that's probably the best thing that I was able to, to take from coming back and able to integrate into my own life and how I treat other people. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Sergeant Salerno, tell us about your return. Well, Chief, it was, uh, it, it was really kind of weird. Um, you know, we came straight from Jordan to uh, quarantine in El Paso, Texas, and we spent two weeks down there. Uh, and then did a couple of days of SRP. And that was a bit of a weird experience. Uh, they didn't quite have everything worked out by the time we got down to being a new process one not. So figuring out chow and laundry and all that was, uh, was a learning curve, you know, trying to figure out how we're gonna go to the gym, how I'm gonna get my laundry done, like why is my mustache growing? You know, the important things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess the weirdest thing was we, once we got out of quarantine, they moved us onto main posts, uh, and we're all in barracks. And, you know, at this point in time, we're still a platoon. We're still working together. We, we've been together for a year. And then you go through one day of SRP, you get a plane ticket, and that's it. Uh, you know, I, I flew in, and because of COVID, nobody could come see me. You know, I just had my duffel bags, and my buddy picked me up in a truck and went and got a case of beer, and that was it. Um, so that And that's 
and I haven't even really been part of the National Guard since. Um, the COVID and the fires, uh, the political environment, everything going on, we've all just been kind of uh, isolating, hanging out in our houses and not really doing much, trying to go back to work, trying to figure things out. But like, still, I haven't seen my grandparents, I haven't seen my cousins, I haven't seen pretty much anybody except my mom and dad yeah. and my very close friends. So it's really weird transition, Chief. Do you feel that you were um, you were briefed up before the transition, before you came back? Did, did you know what to expect? Uh, yeah, Roger Chief, I think our chain of command was pretty well informed of what was going on, but I'll be honest, I did not take it seriously. Um, I didn't think the masks were a big deal. I didn't think that uh, the COVID was was as big of an issue as it is, but the problem is it's actually a really legitimate sickness. Um, and not only that, though, I mean, Portland was basically on fire when we came back. We thought we were going to come back and immediately get mobilized and do something, and tensions were kind of high. Um, but I guess the biggest shocker for me was, uh, like, my parents run a tasting room. Uh, they've got a Dragon's Lair Vineyards down in Monroe, and they run a wine tasting room. And, like, I couldn't go over to the house because, you know, COVID. So I'm, I can't be around the business. I can't be around all this. Um, and then with the business, the COVID, um, so by, like, not wearing a mask or using hand sanitizer, following the business's rules, uh, like, they'll, what you're doing is you're not, so much putting other people at risk, but you're putting that business at risk. So if you don't wear a mask, nobody's gonna give you a ticket, the police aren't gonna come, but like the OSOC will rip our liquor license and give us, you know, like a $90,000 fine. You know, it's it's the, not you making your own personal choice because you have rights, it's, it's you putting a business, uh, small businesses, people's lives at risk because you don't wanna wear a mask. You don't wanna follow the, the arrows on the floor, you know, to use the proper doors, you know. And it's a huge problem. Like I've spent more time uh, wiping down tables and cleaning bathrooms at the at the vineyard than I ever did on deployment. Um, this COVID thing is, you know, it's really, really serious. And I did not realize that when I got home. I didn't take it that seriously, Chief. Is this your first deployment return? Uh, Rogers, Chief. Yeah. Um, so normally, uh, some of the things that our soldiers would um, incur coming home are are those things of reintegrating with their families. Um, without the COVID, I, would, I can assume that that's difficult enough. But with COVID going on, that became, uh, made it more complicated for sure. And uh, I think you articulate that very well. Tell me a little bit about when you first got home or after you got home, uh, you told us that uh, you were also then deployed or mobilized for some uh, domestic help, right? Yeah, Roger, Chief. Um, the whole state caught on fire uh, pretty much you know i spent uh two weeks trying to you know with horse trailers and flatbed trailers moving all my buddies out and trying to get you know our best secured because we had a lot of people you know even like specialist colored here almost lost his house uh we had a bunch of ncos i worked with on deployment and in the past in the battalion who almost lost our houses you know friends and family who lost everything um so once we got you know once i got those people taken care of and beds for them to sleep on we uh you know, Sergeant Pratt from BCO called us and asked for volunteers. I was like, well, we are the volunteers. Let's volunteer. Uh, and we started working traffic control points up at the uh, McKenzie, trying to alleviate some of the pressure on the local police department. Um, and then, you know, those fires got contained really well. I think actually it was really amazing seeing how our state handled that. They did a absolutely fantastic job. And, you know, the way they took care of us, you know, people were coming by with fresh made meals every day. There was so much chow all over the armory. People were just bringing us like socks and masks, and it was really, really pretty amazing, Chief. Actually, good. 
Hey, thanks. I'm going to switch over here to um, Sergeant Stephen Gasper. Your, your experience returning home is a little different because you return home to a family, a wife and children. Is that correct? That is correct, Chief. Um, you know, uh, with, with COVID, it, uh, it has definitely put a strain um, not on just myself, but, you know, my wife and my son. Um, they had to close down schools. Uh, luckily, my wife was able to work from home. But when you have a five-year-old and you're trying to watch him while do your work, uh, it's just difficult. And I know that's a lot of these guys, they're going to be coming home. And, you know, it's, it's going to be the same boat. You know, their wife, single parenting uh, for that while. And then also, you know, trying to keep everyone safe from COVID. Um, when I got back, it was very disheartening for me because at this time in his age uh, it's an important time to be around kids and you go to the park and you see parents start you know pulling their kids away you know like let's create distance which I agree you know we should have distance but trying to explain that to a five-year-old why they're doing that why can't they play with me really sad it was really tough just to see that from my perspective you know and then on top of it you know trying to explain COVID to him is even difficult for me when all I know is yes, it's a sickness. We've got to wash our hands. We've got to keep six feet away. It spreads through the air. Um, and just trying to relate that to him has been difficult. Um, other than that, uh, going to work, um, you know, I've been, I've been blessed that I was able to go back to a job uh, working with the National Guard at Surf P. Um, and you know, I know that has been a struggle for some people who may have come home that they don't have a job or they find that they were full-time and now they're part-time, so I'm really blessed for that. But even in the working environment, we've had to structure our way where we're at 50% manning or we can't do certain events now because we can't have 100 or 200 soldiers crowded around together. So uh, you know, figuring logistics, um, trying to keep everyone safe, you know, has always been is the number one priority. And how do we go about that? I think we are still trying to figure that out. And, and I think so far we're doing a great job. Um, you know, I have to put a box of masks in my car because even to this day, I, I still forget. You know, I'll be driving halfway to the store and got to go back home. I don't have a mask. You know, it's, it's little things, but, you know, it adds up. So is this your first deployment? Yes. Um, what other hurdles did you encounter coming back trying to reintegrate with your family? Um, I think the main one, uh, especially between my wife and I, is um, I'm no longer a sergeant when I come home. <laughs> you know, I suppose that sounds, yeah. uh, you know, I'm no longer uh, telling soldiers what to do, where to go. Uh, I have to remember that I am talking to my, my significant other, my wife, um, and just uh, flipping that switch back to a, a being a family man um, has been difficult. Um, and, you know, there's still times where I'm lucky now that I can catch myself and recognize when my voice starts raising. And I just have to remember that no, this is my wife, this is my son, you know, I have to speak to them as my loved ones, you know, not as soldiers.
Yeah, great point. Uh, Lieutenant Austin Parr, tell us your story a little bit. Is this your first deployment? It is, Chief. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I can agree with everyone else at the table here that it was something coming back that we had no idea what to anticipate. You know, listening to other NCOs in the platoon that had been on multiple deployments and their integration, their coming home, um, being back with family, those types of things. So we had that idea in our heads. And then when we actually came back, we're like, well, this is something totally different. Um, I think the whole aspect of that you were talking about, um, specialist call it as far as first deployers, I think we had a level of excitement coming home of like, oh, cool, we can we can be recognized. You know, we've, we've been away doing good work um, and we can get back and, and there's not like, not like there's going to be parades in the street or anything, but it's going to be like, hey, we're, we're back. There's going to be some, ce some celebration, some things like that. And it was not the case at all. Um, I mean, coming back just to Fort Bliss, we felt, I felt instantly when we checked in at quarantine and they briefed us on the slides that they were going to treat us like we were positive with COVID. So, all right, we're going to treat you like you're infected, so back off. Um, so, and that was, I think, my first real uh, interaction of like, hey, this is a, this is a thing. Coming home to PDX, um, you know, to being told that our family members can't come inside, that they have to meet us out in the uh, parking lot. You know, there'll be a, a service member there to greet us, and they'll walk us outside. We'll grab our bags. We were flying in civilian clothes, so we just had our A bags, and nobody know, knew who we were. Not that we needed the recognition, but it was also like, hey, we're just we're just some dudes coming home from we could have been anywhere, right? Um, coming back, and it was a, it was a really weird feeling because the family members had been living in this environment, and not really sure where this environment had stemmed from. If it was, you know, hysteria caused by people communicating or or media sources or however these things were amped up, um, we didn't feel the same type of um, hysteria per se when we were over there. Um, we did feel it as we came into meeting all of our family members, especially for me and my family. You could almost feel a little standoffish when they wanted to greet me. Um, you know, my wife, she was super excited to see me, came in, gave me a big hug, big kiss. But even me and my parents, they had masks on. They felt kind of uncomfortable to hug me, things like that. And I'm like, I've just been in quarantine for two weeks. I've been with these guys for a year I'm probably safer than anybody else around here, right? Um, so those types of things are really challenging to, to come across. Um, even getting home, realizing, hey, driving through downtown Portland, the streets are bare. Things are boarded up because businesses have gone under, right? There's, there's stuff of civil unrest going on. There's all sorts of, of things that you had a snapshot in your mind of when you left, of what you would return to, and you came back and it was drastically different. And that was really tough um, to to overcome because there was already like like you said, um, special caller. As far as the stress, no matter what kind of deployment you're on, if you were in combat, if you were doing support, whatever it was, that you had these challenges and you were at some op tempo, mission level, heightened awareness, whatever it may be, and you're coming back and you're trying to decompress, and you don't really have the ability to decompress because you have to shift gears in this other sense of uh, kind of an organized chaos because things are trying to be figured out um, and that yeah that was really challenging yeah I, I can I no doubt it was a, an incredible challenge like I said before I think it's difficult enough just to return back from a long deployment but to return back to what we have here going today with COVID and some of our own civil unrest like you bring up 
um, here in Portland has got to be incredibly difficult. So welcome home. I'm glad you're all home. Sure. With that said, um, what is it that you would recommend or what is it that you will do as you lead your soldiers um, for the next deployment? Uh, because there will be another deployment. And, and what have you learned from this return that you will share with your soldiers next time? Um, the biggest thing that I can think about is adaptability. And for some reason, that word comes up in my mind, in my mind, that we're all trained to come up with different types of combat environments or, um, every drill we're coming up with a different training scenario or something like that. And so we're always geared to adapt. But I think this really shows how much the organization has to adapt in times of uncertainty, like we're experiencing. Um, and that we need to focus on the ability to adapt. Um, I think you can see a lot in the civilian world when these grave things have changed and the people that aren't able to adapt. Um, obviously, we're a professional organization, and so we've, we've been able to adapt. Um, but I think coaching soldiers and mentoring soldiers um, that will go downrange in the future on these big events, whatever it may be, um, to be able to overcome them mentally, physically, emotionally. Tell me, um, Specialist Caller, what tools did you use to remain resilient? Uh, kind of piggybacking off of what uh, Lieutenant Parr mentioned, uh, adaptability is a key part of resiliency. You know, when you're, I, I liken it to a, a change of mission in the middle of an exercise. Like you might have just walked 12 miles and somebody says, hey, we got to change of mission, we got to go back. And you can either allow yourself to get bogged down in the moment with the negative thoughts that come from that, or you can adapt to the situation, figure out the gap between where you are now and where you need to be, and figure out how to fill that gap with experience and knowledge to get you to your goal. And for me, that was basically the way that I looked at it coming home. Uh, you know, this is a, a strange situation. I, I don't think anybody could have seen a global pandemic happening while we were gone. Um, but the ability to take the situation in hand and do what we can to not just make do, but thrive in this environment, especially with returning home to our families who are expecting us to, you know, try to reintegrate back into their lives as well. We have a, a duty to them to be there. And we also have a responsibility to ourselves to make sure that we do adapt to this crazy environment in order to, to make it work. Otherwise we can get we can get caught behind and we don't want to have that happen. Sergeant Salerno, what kind of tools do you use? Um, well, honestly, Chief, the, one of the biggest hurdles I had was, uh, now I decompress a lot of stress with uh, exercise and going to the gym and things. And COVID, the gyms were shut down. You're, you're not going to the gym. That's not happening. Uh, so my advice would be learn how to run. <laughs> Go do some cardio. You know, I'll, I'll get calls from my soldiers like, hey, um, I'm feeling kind of stressed. I need to talk to somebody. For St. Thomas, like, when's the last time you want to run? Go on a run. Helps. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is just, uh, you know, focus on the five-meter target, like what you can do within reach. Like don't, yes, the COVID is there. There's things. There's transition. You probably haven't had alcohol for a year. You can't exercise at the time. Um, for me, nobody was making me a five egg omelet every morning. Uh, so it's, you know, just focus on what you can do, you know, in that immediate situation. And if you just keep accomplishing five meter targets, eventually you'll, you'll find a good way to, you know, handle things. Yeah. 
Sergeant Casper? Yeah, I agree with uh, Sergeant Salerno is, you know, set small goals and accomplish those tasks. Um, for like coming home, like what I've used is, um, I mean, I've had the past experience where I have lived outside of the country for years. Um, and, you know, to prepare myself and what you should be doing is to help prepare yourself is you have to, you have to remind yourself that everyone back home has also been living their lives too. And they have been going through something different and you have been going through something different uh, while you're away. And I guess my main tool has been uh, communication, you know, being able to talk and not be afraid to talk, um, either with uh, family, your wife, um, husband, uh, even your team leaders. And I think sometimes uh, even soldiers, when they get back home, they, they feel like, oh, Sergeant Gasper is, you know, off doing something with his family, but, you know, I'm here. Like, Sergeant Salerno's here. Like, we haven't gone anywhere. Um, you know, everyone should know that you should always be able to reach out to uh, your leadership and that they're going to be there for you. That ends part one of this episode. Join me for part two, where we continue this conversation. Never forget, every soldier, every airman, a leader. This is Chief Connor signing off.